Welcome to the Mere and Powerful Podcast, where we believe in going far by going together. Hello, Meerkats. Welcome to another episode of the Empowerful Podcast. I'm your co-host, Brian Pape. And I'm Rebecca Pape. Thank you for tuning in. We are so excited to be with you. Thanks for spending time with us. I think you're really going to like today's episode. Today, we sit down with Bartholomew Jones, who is the founder of Coffee Black. He is also a hip-hop artist, a teacher, an entrepreneur, a coffee enthusiast, a husband, a dad, The guy is incredible. I don't know how he packs it all into one day, Um, but on this episode, we sat down and had a wide-ranging conversation about coffee origins, coffee preparation, community. It was, uh, I had a blast. Yeah, and I mean, if he just ran Coffee Black alone, that would be enough. Uh, They have three uh, primary arms um, focused around coffee education, empowerment, and creation and inspiration. And uh, Bartholomew's mission, he's out of Memphis, Tennessee, is to really to get uh, more black people involved in the coffee scene. And so we talk about that um, to an extent as well. What kind of why that community looks the way it does and how more people can be brought into the fold. Yeah, he is a very inspiring individual. uh, So we hope that you enjoy this conversation as much as we did. We know there's going to be a part two, three, four, five, uh, and we're looking forward to uh, sitting down together in person someday post COVID, uh, to brew up some coffee and listen to some freestyle, uh, from Bartholomew. So without further ado, please enjoy this episode with Bartholomew Jones. All right, Bartholomew, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me, fam. Yeah. So we, um, as we get into this, I have, I am so fascinated how you squeeze more than 24 hours into a day. Uh, we were reading the show notes and I was looking on the IG and you, sir, are an extraordinary person. Hip hop artist, teacher, entrepreneur, coffee enthusiast, enthusiast, parent. I mean, that's like four yeah. lives in one, man. That's impressive. It is, man. It is. <laughs> but you know, we we just we used to doing a lot, so we just keep trying to do a lot. We add an extra thing every couple of months. Do you sleep? Uh, yeah, I do. Sometimes I oversleep. You know what I mean? I've been trying to get on this, this like uh, quarantine body, but it hadn't, you know, it hadn't gone in the direction I wanted it to go. So I definitely sleep too much probably. Yeah. Yeah. Staying up late. Yeah. Man, that's what I've, I've been getting way more sleep during COVID. Uh, I, I don't know why I didn't do this before, but like I stopped setting an alarm and just kind of like letting the kids wake me up or whatever else. And, uh, it's yeah. been kind of wild. <laughs> Yes, that's probably my biggest anxiety inducer is when my children wake me up and I'm like, <laughs> we have a three-year-old and a four-year-old. I'm like, I gotta, when y'all wake me up and I just wake up to daddy, I'm hungry. Daddy, I want this. Daddy, can you do this? I'm like, yo, man, I had done, I had done anything. Yeah, that's like kind of a brutal re-entry into, into you know, life or when is, when, is, they, is yeah. when they are waking you up. And they, you have and they <laughs> stand next to you in your bed. They're just staring at you. That's the creepiest. Or, just... or stand on you. you know, <laughs> however it goes. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. So uh, we have so much to talk about, uh, but let's let's jump into it. I'd love to hear. You're in Memphis, Memphis, Tennessee. Is that right? That's correct. Memphis, and what's Tennessee, like? What's yeah. your what's your what's your main thing? I mean, you have so many things. Like, what's kind of uh, like if you broke out the hours? Like, what do you spend your time these days? Uh, probably spend most of my time with my kids. Uh, so my wife works from home. Um, obviously I, I work from home. So I spend most of my time with my kids. And then once I can, you know, drop the kids off over at our mom's house or our sister's house, or I get them to, you know, pretend to sleep for a couple of hours, <laughs> then it's, it's normally, it's been lately, it's been a lot of podcasting conversations, honestly. Uh, so talking with people, sharing the story behind the company, 
uh, I probably do I do music in batches. So I, I like earlier in quarantine, I, I did like 12 songs. And so we're just slowly releasing those. And um, now it's just emailing back and forth with engineers and artists and stuff. And then um, I was at the roastery for like four or five hours yesterday, bagging up coffee with our coffee roaster and you know, but most of my time is definitely with my kids and with my family. And then I'm trying to, you know, make the business a part of our life. Yeah. Not just <laughs> that work off integration. <laughs> trying to, man. I'm trying to. Oh, uh, that's super fun. I think it's so, uh, it's so cool to be able to bring your kids along in like the business journey. We have, we have two kids and, you know, they kind of pop in and out here and uh, of yes. our cafe. And just, you know, I think it's so cool and special to be able to like, expose your kids to business and and instead it of like is. having this like i feel like the back in the day it was like the separation of like you had your work life and you had your personal life and then there's this yes you don't really like people expect you to show up with like different segments and i feel like now it's like you can finally show up with your whole self and it's a yeah. it's a big beautiful mess sometimes <laughs> you know what i think a big reason for that is wearable technology and so i think when mm. a lot of our wearable technology well, technology traditionally has replaced a lot of the mechanized workforce that we had before. And so like we're able to leverage more as an individual. So you asked me about like how much I'm able to do. A lot of it is because of technology, right? So you can kind of scale things that way. But now that technology has become integrated into like our bodies, like on some weird, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> RoboCop stuff. Like it's normal now for kids to come with us and for people to see your kids because the technology we're using to produce our content is on us and so people see our whole lives you know what i mean so totally. it's more expected whereas if i had to go to a studio to record people would be a bit perturbed if they saw my kids in there because they're like well that's not that's not at your house you know but everything i do is at my house so yeah 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 i have a question you are a creative person by nature has your creativity been stifled at all during this pandemic has it been harder uh, no. to like tap into that place no, I feel like my creativity honestly has been like sparked because I, I'm able to kind of, I don't want, I guess it's all in the same pot, if it makes sense. So it's, it's, it's more like I'm just adding more spices into the gumbo of all the things that we're doing, mm -hmm. as opposed to um, a situation where I had to go different places. So instead of going to do an event, now the event we're doing is in this space. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. As opposed to going to like we, I was going to be out of the, out of the state every month this year. Cause we have like a coffee tour plan where we would go and do essentially what, which is our brew up, which is like a coffee cipher. We were going to do those in every, um, at least in like 10 cities this year, but all of that's canceled now. And so now we spend way more time like at the house and my ideas kind of just stack on top of each other. Hmm. Yeah. It's yep. uh interesting days these days. What day is it? It is. It is. I think it's Thursday. It's Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, I did not know what day it was. I thought yesterday was Tuesday. <laughs> it could have been. I really did. <laughs> Maybe it was. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. The, uh, I, I was first introduced to you by our good friend prop. Uh, yep. he had, he had the uh, poor gummy Fridays on, which we were just chatting about how, uh, COVID has like kind of spun innovation, you know, um, in a really cool way, you know, in a weird way, like choosing to be thankful for, or choosing to have the thankful mindset in the, in this, um, time of the of, of covid and it was interesting because we were talking about um porigami fridays or propagami we kind of joke about 
propagami and uh <laughs> propagami that's funny because uh, it was like it was like mid-march and we were texting back and forth and i was like yo how are you doing man like tours canceled you know like how like what, what's happening he's like dude it's gonna be rough because i like i can't tour like i can't go to con i can't like you know produce music in the context of like gatherings right and i was like well man we'd love to do anything we can to help you know help in this time and he was like let's just do a friday show and we'll make porigami coffee and and uh, it's turned out to That's be this dope. like really, really cool platform for him to have conversations, teach people how to make coffee, bring in the specialty coffee scene. Uh, and then he had you, I think he had your, your Guji um, on, which was yeah. like super rad. Uh, so yeah, that was, that was really cool to be introduced to the Guji um, from, from, gosh, was that April? I don't, when was that? Man, I think that was April. Yep, that was April. Uh, yeah, because I remember more, that yeah. being one of the biggest spikes of sales we'd had, and we were like, "Oh my gosh, we had like forty coffee sales this week." Oh, that was yeah. a big deal. Now, now we're dealing with like three hundred coffees. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> we gotta buy so much more inventory. Good. Oh man, good problems, good problems. So the um, more recently, we were doing a, um, we were we were kind of racking our brains on like, hey, we've got a ton of inventory. How do we support small businesses? We're we're a small business. We're passionate about helping other small businesses in this time. And so our team came up with this idea of, hey, let's like just give some merch product away that people could resell. And um, a bunch of that's people amazing, nominated uh, Coffee Black. And so I was, I don't know, that's the that's the second way that uh, we were kind of second introduced. And I was like, man, two is a pattern. We gotta we gotta sit down with Bartholomew Jones and just have a conversation about covid times and especially coffee and i mean there's so many things to go on but um yeah i'm, I'm super curious how how you started like how did you get into coffee like what was, what was your story with coffee and and, and all the yeah. things yeah so for me i got into coffee uh through originally my dad my dad was a big proponent of like kenyan coffee growing up now how he got into kenyan coffee i have no idea you know I, I know he took like a study abroad class in college went to kenya went to nairobi um so maybe it was there or we also have like a, one of the elders at our church is uh like a home roaster from california and so you know he really likes kenyan coffee he does like sweet maria's i'm not really sure um uh, but i got introduced to it again um w through my wife after college i had gotten really into coffee and so i was excited about it and um when i moved back to memphis my wife was like well hey i'm gonna buy you an espresso machine for the first christmas of our uh, marriage and for me that was my first time with someone investing in the craft or giving me you know when you grow up poor it's kind of like you don't spend money on stuff unless it's a necessity you know what i mean and so like that was something that was a big deal for her to kind of spend money on me. And so then I started really getting into it. I went to a shop here and they made me a, like a short latte, like a six ounce latte, basically a cappuccino. And um, I remember telling them I didn't want any flavor in it, but I was confused because it tasted like there was strawberry in there. And they were like, no, that's just how this Burundi on espresso tastes. And that for oh, me- Oh, Burundi. Like, yes oh. and so in memphis we call that like chasing the that's like the dragon experience right so like <laughs> that was the dragon and for me it was just like trying to have other experiences similar to that you know find that burundi at a different shop or something it's crazy uh burundis are my favorite like i they yes. just they 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 uh they, they hold a special place in my heart because they're just they're delicious they're seasonal and i'm so excited yep. for specialty coffee i feel like it's it's it has a long way to go for sure but it I feel like finally people are understanding that like coffee in order to get out of a commoditized market, you have to understand that like there's so much nuance and flavor and, and deliciousness. And 
Mm-hmm. You know, you think about like specialty coffee and you think about wine, people pay a ton of money for like crazy fancy wine from all these different regions. And coffee yes. is no different. It's a fruit. There's different varietals. There's uh, different regions there are different processes There's different roasts. I mean, it's so, so complex. And for so long, at least in America, it's been just like Folgers and like cream and sugar. And, and I'm, I love, mm. I love your slogan and like coffee black and it's, you know, love, love black people. Like you love black coffee. Um, Man, yeah. I just, yeah. I love my coffee black and, you know, I love that we don't have to like not dumb it down because some people want cream and sugar, but I don't know the, um, just that there's so much flavor there. Like it's, it's people are kind yeah. of, and then like when you show somebody or you hand them a cup of coffee and they've never had it their minds are like, whoa, yo, that experience <laughs> is one of my favorite things to do in the community. And it's like this, this balance between like showing that to people, but not forcing that on people and so like that's i think that balance is kind of what makes you know the primary work i feel like we we do is like creating coffee and discussing coffee with our community so that's those brew-ups but like showing it to someone and just letting just living with that person and say like today i had coffee with cream and sugar in it for the first time and i can't even remember but it was because i went to a shop there's a black-owned shop that just opened up in the neighborhood i grew up in and um he, uh, that's what he offered me the coffee at. So I didn't turn it down. It was good. You know what I mean? And it, it is not necessarily a third wave space, but it's a space where coffee is, is cultivating community. And so I think a big part of what I'm excited about is like the potential one to show like, hey, this is what coffee can taste like in that space. So we're going to collaborate with them. But also just the potential to say like, but it doesn't have to be like this and it can still do good for people. Mm. And so like those two things really excite me because there's a potential to fuse them. You know what I mean? Where you're not, empirically colonial like in a colonialistic yeah. way like enforcing this this is the right way <laughs> to, you know what i mean Which but is at so the same time you're, <laughs> right but you're also creating this curiosity about the bean itself and the natural notes inherent and then having a conversation about our own natural notes as human beings and the things that we all bring to the table like that is exciting to me so yeah i love the way you talk about the concept of cream and sugar on your website it was it was uh, just a really fresh perspective. Um, I'm going to quote it actually. Uh, it says coffee black is a social experiment interested in exploring the impact people can have when they are empowered to live with no sugar and no cream. Can you talk about that a little bit more? Yeah, definitely. So like growing up for me as a black male in Memphis, um, I grew up in Whitehaven, which is the neighborhood where that shop is opening up in. And, you know, there were all these different perspectives that were placed on me as far as how I was supposed to act or, or sound. And this is just from within my neighborhood, like, you know, so, so societal norms that are being placed on you. Like I'm growing up in the middle of three, six mafias fame in the middle of Yo Gotti and, you know, on the tail end of a ball and MJG. And so like, there's this kind of like, um, you know, there's just a version of ma- of manhood that's being pushed at, in my neighborhood that didn't necessarily match how I grew up. Like, I, my mom and dad were both in my life. I was a book nerd. I used to go to the library and just go home with, like, as many books. I think it was 12 <laughs> at the time. So every week, I'm, like, maxing out my library card. Like, people max out credit cards. <laughs> and, you know, like, I, listening to comic books. And I was just a nerdy kid. And um, that was kind of different where I, was, where I grew up. And people kind of didn't know what to do with that. And so... You know, when I finally did go to a nerdy, you know, I went to a nerdy liberal arts college outside of Chicago called Wheaton, I experienced a different type of, you know, social pressure where now 
I'm too black. I'm too Memphis. I'm, uh, it's too different. And I'm, you know, going to school with 98%, you know, white kids from the suburbs. And now everything about me is almost, you know, whereas if, to keep to keep the coffee metaphor going, if I was too, too light of a roast growing up, you know, now it's too dark. It's too bitter. <laughs> it's too quote unquote bold in college. And so, you know, like coffee is just an interesting thing because I see how, damaging that is for people to be forced to have a, someone else's palate forced on them. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Someone else's taste preferences, as opposed to just allowing us to dial in the notes that we're given inherently from our creator yeah. and to share those with the world. And we miss so much beauty. You know what I mean? Yeah. hundred percent. It's like, don't water it down. Don't cover it up. Like just be who you are and let those notes shine through. Yeah. I, that analogy and at the same time, don't over roast yourself. You know what I mean? Don't <laughs> feel the need to, um, turn up some level of like, you know, like if you get a geisha, it's just, go, it's a delicate coffee. And if you try to turn that and, and, and you know, take it to city or, or what, you know, you, you, you're going to ruin what's happening there when you try to take, make a geisha, uh, even make an Ethiopian geisha into a Colombian geisha. Like there's just, each of us have unique things to bring to the table and the, the world is better for all of us being able to just bring who and what we are fully. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the X in, so coffee, black coffee uh, has an X instead of an O and that yes. X plays into this concept as well. Is that right? It does. Yeah. So the X is representative. Okay. I'll do the nerdy thing first. So the X is representative of like the variable, you know, when you look at algebra, the X <laughs> represents the variable in mathematics where we see that um, each problem or formula has something that's going to be input into it. And a lot of it goes back to this idea I had with friends in college. We're talking about functions. I don't know if you're familiar with functions, but how you can input a certain function and receive a certain good or result out of it. It's really fascinating when you think about each of us have unique variables that we bring to the table and how all of these are going to like play into the ultimate output that the Lord has or that Yahweh has for creation. Like, that's a fascinating idea to think about how we're missing so much because so many people, so many humans have been forced to kind of like blend in hmm. or, um, you know, lose their unique function. And so that's the first piece. And then the second piece is that in African-American history, the X has represented, again, the missing link or variable in identity because many of us don't have the names that were uh, given to us indigenously. Mm -hmm. And so we, we, the X became a representative of the missing term uh, that many of us have. And so like for Malcolm X, the X represented his journey toward finding his true identity, toward finding who he really is. And it allowed him to kind of use a placeholder almost until he could dial more into his own unique notes as an individual. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Wow. Yep. So much education. <laughs> that's a deep low that's a deep logo i love it or just yeah. nerd, concept. Yo, i can't help it i, I that's just how that's that, those are my notes you well know what at, I mean? at first we're like how do we pronounce this <laughs> oh yeah like you trying to pronounce the sound yeah. Yeah, it's difficult <laughs> yeah 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 uh that's so that's so good the uh a question on on uh on coffee black is it is all the coffee from Africa? I know there's a highlight there, but where where do you source where do you source your 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 beans from? So we started out with just one coffee simply because our primary function was to educate our community. And so when we I was explaining this concept before we ever offered a coffee of coffee being African in origin, it being discovered by black people, it being a part of the diaspora experience and, and asking these questions about what what is this potential if it were to be reintegrated into the larger diaspora. 
and that, that conversation is kind of abstract. One, I, you know, I went to school for elementary education. One thing I've definitely learned being a teacher for like seven or eight years is that physical examples always help people to learn more so than just abstract theorizing. Mm-hmm. I'm now personally, I love abstract theorizing. Like that's my <laughs> bread and butter. But when, you know, I learned quickly, like kids don't learn that way. And so like when I'm teaching my community, I'm like, I realized it would be way better if we had an actual coffee from Ethiopia to explain and for them to taste as I'm explaining coffee's origin being from Ethiopia. And so, you know, the name Gujime came about when we were in the studio and, um, you know, we had just gotten some coffee and my friend came up with a name, but it, it, it bridges the connection between African blackness or Ethiopian blackness or diaspora blackness and African American, specifically Southern African American blackness. And so when I give the name, it sounds like it's something that's supposed to be black. You know what I mean? Mm. And so now when you taste it subconsciously, you associate that taste in the whole process of extracting this coffee with the same blackness that you have. And then you associate that blackness with the blackness that is where the coffee is from, which is in Ethiopia. So it's kind of like getting people to make these connections without explicitly telling them. So at the moment, that's the primary. We actually like, you know, coffee goes out of season, so you can't have the same coffee for forever. And so right now we're really we're using a, a Binti Nanka that we sourced through some friends at Stay Golden, actually, in Nashville. Um, and so that's from the from the Guji region as well. But we have hopes of offering uh, several coffees that are all grown by black farmers in the diaspora. So we're talking to uh, Cosecha traders down in Colombia and working on sourcing some coffee from Calca, from uh, Afro-Latino farmers down there, uh, as well as talking to some people in Rwanda about possibly sourcing some coffee from them. But, um, you know, we I keep having to buy more Ethiopia because Gucci Mac just is, <laughs> is selling. So I feel like I don't have time to cup like I want to, you know. Yeah. That name is so good, too. Yeah, it, people like it. So I'm like, I don't know, we might, this might be what it is for the next year or so, but yeah. I'm a coffee nerd, so I get bored. You know what I think? Coffee nerds, you you kind of like, my wife says coffee is an adventure for me. So, you know, like I just, we just cupped a wish wish from uh, Keba Coffee in New York. I think he's in New York. Um, but, uh, but yeah, Kefa Coffee, excuse me. And that joint was crazy. It was like mint chocolate chips and strawberry rhubarb. Like it was bananas. But I'm like, now I'm like, if I serve this, if I sell this as our primary coffee, is that going to confuse people? So then, okay, now we need to figure out, okay, what are the other products going to be called? Or it's kind of something we're figuring out right now, but I'm excited about it. Oh, that's, and there, it's, I feel like coffee too is like, there's always like room for discovery. Like you said, you just, there's, it's like a, it is a deep, deep rabbit hole of just, flavor and different profiles yep. and techniques and processing oh pr- yeah like once just, you get into processing oh, it's a wrap like yeah. oh my, now i can serve the same coffee with five different processes you know yeah, what i mean yeah yeah totally well i love i love that um that like methodology that you're taking how how is that like coming out in 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 memphis is it is it is it um, wholesale based too? just the cafe online um and obviously we don't have a cafe no cafe we don't have a cafe no cafe we're we're like i said we're a social enterprise and so we do educational work so we do monthly coffee educational classes well we did this before (laughs) corona Mm -hmm. (laughs) but we did monthly coffee like i said they're called coffee ciphers so i have a dj we kind of market it to the community then we all come out and literally i don't know if you're familiar with the concept of a cipher um but it's just kind of like a non-western learning method um and nerdy bag one more time so Paolo Friere is one of my like pedagogical influences and he did a lot of work looking at like educating uh adult um farmers down in I believe Chile and Brazil and so like his work a book called Pedagogy of the Oppressed 
has talks about using something called co-generative dialogues to educate people. And so basically what that is, is it's a learning circle. Like that's just a fancy education term for a learning circle. And, or, or if you're thinking about hip hop, like a cipher, a circle of people exchanging ideas and building some type of like cumulative group community idea or result out of it and then making decisions based on the goals and things determining that group. So what we do is we do these once a month with the community and we literally are going from ground zero all the way up to I don't know where with coffee. So what is coffee? Like we're not, I'm not even coming in telling you what this is. I'm just, we're all literally picking it up. And we had Gucci Mane from us. We had several other black owned roasters, like uh, got coffee from Red Bay and Bridge City and a bunch of other people. And then we just literally eat the bean, like right there. We're eating the seed. And I don't make people eat the seed, but you're surprised <laughs> by how many people are like, yo, I want to do that. And then we go from ground up and I've been using AeroPress. Um, but the last time I think we used Kalita Wave too, but I kind of just like walk through, okay, this is how I do it. Boom. You can try it that way or you can do it differently. You guys do it with me. Okay. Now this time you guys are doing it by yourself and we taste it each time and there's no right or wrong ratio. We just say, what did you like better? Why do you think it tasted that way? And then we move from there to like, conversations about okay this process what you've discovered what would it look like to apply this to our community at large so those conversations are conversations it's kind of like a pop-up we do that with other cafes here um and then we also have wholesale partners here i think we have four there's like a black owned donut shop that just opened in north memphis um two shops down in mississippi um and then we were carried at actually the shop that we had went to right before we created the idea called guji man so the name of the shop was uh city and state they carried us as well and then there are a couple other local cafes that we're talking to but yeah so we do wholesale partnerships um actually a good friend of ours a community activist just started carrying us he's starting a coffee truck for felons and people who are not able to access the larger economy and so he wants those people to man this coffee truck and you know kind of the beauty about coffee is it models a business model that a lot of people in our community are already familiar with the concept of like sourcing some type of good over the border, getting it here, cooking it up, weighing it up, bagging it up and then serving it to people who are addicted to it. Like that's a, that's a, you know, that's a framework that's familiar in our community. And so like now we're applying it toward, toward legal means and allowing people to connect to their heritage because again, coffee is an African discovery. Like it's just a really beautiful thing. So he actually just recently started carrying our coffee too. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where we are right now is like being able to be a service for the community. But I personally feel like if I opened a cafe, one, our business would have closed at this point because having a cafe during the midst of a, a crisis <laughs> is the worst thing possibly. And then two, it gives us the ability, I personally feel like to touch more people in a wider spot because I'm not standing in front of a Kalita wave all day long. Mm. Uh, I'm able to kind of move and, and it keeps us out of debt as well. We're like a debt free company. Oh, and so nice. I don't have to like take out these giant loans to try to pay employees for a year and then hope we make enough money. Like I literally know how much money we make and all the money that we spend in our company is just the profit that we make. So. Oh, that's beautiful. I love yeah. that. Podcast listeners, the world is full of color and we're telling stories about it stories of people and places we've encountered on our journey of empowering people for a better future as a brand. Today, head to mirror.com, order $60 worth of product and get $10 off. Use the discount code podcolor at checkout. That's P-O-D-C-O-L-O-R, all one word. You do not want to miss out on these colors. There are six. There's at least one shade for you, one hue for you. Okay, let's get back to the conversation.
going back to that coffee, it was like a monthly coffee education program that you were running. I, yep. I think I, I just so appreciate the way it sounds like you've set that up and approached it so that people who participate, they get to, um, discover coffee and experience it like in their own way. Right. Like, like yes. they just get to, we're like, trying to decolonize the experience. You totally. Know I, mean? I, I, I just think that makes so much sense. And I have a feeling that your background in education so plays into that. And I read something about yeah. how, when you were in the classroom, um, I, I can't remember the age group you worked with, but you kind of introduced, okay. Okay. So you yep. introduced like, or you somehow you brought hip hop into the classroom and yes. I imagine that you let your students also have a similar experience where they're discovering whatever it is that they're learning, they're discovering it kind of on their themselves. own terms. And yeah, in a way yes. that is like, that makes it approachable. Yes. That, that's, I feel like that was my goal. I always tell people my wife is the best teacher I know. So like if I'm comparing myself to my wife, I feel like I'm a way better rapper than I am a teacher. Uh, <laughs> I think but, uh, prop. Uh, I think prop would say the same thing. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like my wife is like she's a type A person. I'm very much so like your stereotypical creative. Like my mind is all over the place. <laughs> I just react to ideas. I love to like talk and share. And so like you know. But I I will say that I never claimed I was the best teacher in the world. But I do think my students walked away feeling confident in their ability to be critical and critically build their own like educational frameworks. Uh, and sometimes I feel like I did that too much or sometimes I feel like, you know, I'm with students and it's difficult for me to connect and I'm mad, you know, and I'm like shutting the class. But like on a, on, a, on a whole, that was my goal. And one of the biggest challenges is that is easy to do when everyone can access the data or the information or the literature. So, you know, coffee is the literature we're breaking down. So everyone has taste buds. Nobody has, there's no taste bud gap in America, right? Um, so you can figure out some connection to a memory of a taste that you have, mm -hmm. but with reading, unfortunately, there is an education gap. And so when I'm trying to present information or literature to you um, and you can't read, then it becomes more difficult to discover it for yourself. So then you have to integrate or what I like to call annotate the lesson with other forms of literature. So we would use a lot. I remember we probably watched, I don't know if you're familiar with the A Lot video by J. Cole and 21 Savage, but we broke, we spent like two or three weeks breaking that down, integrating it into our larger lessons and just taking portions of it and finding connections to help illustrate larger ideas in the other like more complex literature. We were reading um, To Kill a Mockingbird. And so mm -hmm. like we, we use that because it's, it's content people can access. And I think mm -hmm. access is, a really big thing that a lot of people are having a conversation with in coffee right now is like, what does access look like for people who have been marginalized from the coffee community? You know yeah. what I mean? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's in, especially coffee isn't that old or at least yeah. in the U S like, you know, like the, the concept of a third wave and, and what have you. And I love props analogy of the fourth wave of, you know, access and, and really like it's, the thing that it kind of struck me in the especially coffee world was for, this is like 20, 12 2013 when we first started going to SEAs because somebody was like you sell coffee tumblers you should go to a coffee trade show and I was like that's probably a good idea <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it was like I was kind of like I was kind of taken back because my experience with coffee was usually around a table with my grandparents and like you know these great mm -hmm. memories and there was no like pretension around yep. the correct way it was just like they there made was Chemex. No performance yeah it was just yep. like they made Chemex we had this cup of coffee it was an experience and I went to SEA and it was so pretentious about this is the way that you make coffee and mm. it can't be over roasted. Your you have TDS to <laughs> isn't, you know, like, yeah, no, I feel you. 
And I was like, this is so weird. Like, who are you? And then I'd, and then I started asking questions and, <laughs> and I'd be like, I'd be like, so how long have you been in coffee? And they'd be like, oh, well, I just got into this six months ago. And I'm like, wait, you're, so you're telling me exactly how coffee needs to be. And you've only been doing this for six months. Like, come on, yo, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like something, something's off here. And, and I think, I think it's starting, I feel like it's starting to change. Um, but that could be cause like we're, we're, we're partnering with some really, really great organizations, um, and ambassadors, but I was always struck by that. And we were totally guilty of that when we first opened our cafe in Seattle. Um, we had somebody in the specialty coffee world and I was horrified at one, one moment, a customer, you know, had a cup of coffee and said, um, Hey, do you have any cream or sugar? And, and our, and our manager at the time was so convinced that coffee did not need cream or sugar because of the beauty mm. of the coffee. And you agree with that. But then the customer was so, was so like offended that like, yes, wait, you're telling it's, me how I have to drink this coffee. So anyway, right. I, I don't know. I don't know where it's going with that, but like, yeah, no, I feel you a hundred percent because, <laughs> and, and it's like, again, there's this duality that has to be reconciled because the nerdy part of me is like, no, I don't want any sugar and cream. Yeah. I'm excited about finding a way to make this coffee as enjoyable as possible with no sugar and cream and, and adjusting minute variables. That's exciting to me. Yeah. But I also know that may not be exciting to someone else. Uh, and it may be, you know, like some people really like folding clothes. I don't. But if someone <laughs> were to like come in my house and be like, you have all these piles of clothes, how dare you? Like I would feel offended because yeah. I'm like, yo. You're not gonna help me fold the clothes like you just not even so i think in that respect but then on the other side like my wife's uh grandfather um vernon martin was a, a, a sanitation worker in, in memphis tennessee when dr king came and he was a huge proponent of coffee we actually still have the canteen that he used to take every day to work you know as yeah. a as a sanitation worker and he filled that with coffee every day and he made it for his wife and like the story of even how he met his wife which is now my only living grandmother is a beautiful story and coffee's a big part of their memories mm -hmm. they had together and this man drank coffee marching with dr martin luther king like wow. i don't i don't know if you can curse on this podcast yeah you, it's all <laughs> let it flow like, who are you to tell this woman this queen how she can take her freaking like you know what i mean like you better sit your ass down like please <laughs> Like, you know what I mean? Like, don't, don't do that. Right. So then I'm like, well, can I bring my grandma to this coffee shop that I'm excited about? Because I, mean, I remember the first time I met her at Affogato, you know, when my wife bought me that espresso machine yeah, and I yeah. was hyped. My grandma was like, uh, this would taste, this is kind of nasty. Like, I don't want this. So I was like, okay, whatever. You don't like it. But I was excited to make it for her and give her that experience. But I'm like, if I were to take her to a shop and get an Affogato and she said she didn't like it, like she would be looked down upon. And mm. that, you know, I don't know what I would might snap on somebody but i'm just like yeah. that's not how this works like that can't be how this works because to me and i always say this if ethiopian people are not walking around the world policing how people brew coffee nobody gets to walk around the world <laughs> right. specifically if the if the aromo ethnic group which is the the people group that Kaldi the goat herder you know hails from if they're not walking around the world even while being an oppressed people group in Eastern Africa are not walking around the world telling people how to brew coffee, everybody else needs to sit down and shut up. Like, <laughs> yeah, like if Ethiopians don't own coffee or claim to own it, like certainly none of us can say that we do. Yeah. Like nobody has ownership it, over it. And I think that's just such a Western thing. It's like, mm. we just, 
Somebody has to own this land. Somebody has to own this product. Somebody has to have this copyright. Somebody has to own mm. this trademark. And like, that's just not how most brown people think about stuff. Mm. Like we don't think about stuff as like, this is mine, this is yours. It's this is the creators. And he's given it to us as humans to steward and to make our lives better. You know what I mean? Mm. And to stimulate our growth as a people and to help us reach our destiny. So like, and, and I mean, my, my brother Ibrahim from Aromo Coffee Beans always says this, but he's like, you know, coffee for the Aromo is a connection with community, with family, with nature, with God, you know, with everything. Yeah. It's not this thing that's like, this is mine and you gotta, you know what I mean? But it's hard because now we live in a world where the West has dominated most of the planet. And so now our economic system is not a bartering system. It's not a system where we all just trade services and, and exchange goods and try to meet, you know, and I'm not trying to paint this utilitarian uh, or this utopian image of African history or Native American history or like, because they're, they're I think, you know, I, I, I believe the scriptures, so I believe all have sinned. I believe that there's issues in every community, but I think there's just a stark difference mm-hmm. at how we look at ownership and good uh, versus how a lot of times uh, the the larger colonial structure or, or worldview pushes these things, you know? Mm. And so Ethiopians share coffee with Yemen and they, they share coffee with uh, Saudi Arabia and they share coffee with the Turkish empire. And like, it was a, it was a communal, like it, this is everybody's, of course they weren't trying to sell any, you know, live beans. They weren't trying to let you grow it, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, they'll, they'll, the, the process of cultivating this cuisine is, which is what it was like. They're cool. It's a, this is weird multicultural thing going on. And then, you know, you have one group who's like, we're going to take this and force people to grow it, you know? Yeah. Or the thing that's funny about the, the, uh, the Dutch spies that tried to steal the coffee plant and then go back to the Netherlands and try to grow it into the Netherlands. It, yeah, yeah. It failed. Yeah, God was like, no, it's not going to work <laughs> out there. Not. Yeah, y'all can't do that. Yeah, it's now, not going to work. I'm still learning my history. I believe they then transplanted it to Java. Is that correct? Yeah, there was. I was. I, it's been a long time since I've read. Uh, uh, was it Monk of Mocha or the? You, you, basically, the origin of yeah, like get it whether from it was the, like Ethiopia, like Yemeni, Yemen had it, but they like there's there's a kind of there's still like. There's still a debate. Debate. Yeah. Right? Nobody was there to take pictures. There was yeah. no iPhones. Yeah. There was yeah, no yeah, IG yeah. live, right? Like, like, was it Yemen yeah, or was it Ethiopia? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think the story goes that like the Dutch took it from yet from the port of Mocha at Yemen, tried to grow it in the Netherlands. It didn't work. They they bring it over to Indonesia in Java, and then that's where they get their first successful cultivation. Mm-hmm. Um, which kind of provides a model. Then I feel like the history goes off. I don't know how we get from Java to there's a coffee plantation on like every uh country in the middle of central and south america and, and like i don't know how that yeah how that no, happens you know? that's a that's a good question um i think one thing you know especially in the lot la- in the last couple of weeks you know we've been we've been chatting with prop and um i'm really excited because we're we're trying to understand how we can uh, as a company a drinkware company you know we have the porigami we have other coffee brewing methods of how do we kind of um how do we look at uh product design with a more open mind instead of just a a white western mind of like here's the thing here's how you prepare coffee outside or here's the most portable coffee drip or whatever but like stepping away from you make espresso you make it a certain way but literally starting to study the culture of coffee and then how Mm -hmm. can we uh design the experience whether it's you know it's up leveled as far as uh you know the quality the the stainless that goes into it or, or what you know whatever we're like an expert at 
but then studying mm. how can we improve Turkish coffee um, in a way that that might make a an experience different. Um, but we never really approached it that way. It was more just about like here's a coffee cup that holds coffee. Um, yep. From yep. from our point of view, so I'm I'm really excited, and we'll have to we'll have to connect uh, later on on how we how we further do that. Yeah, but the, these things to me are the imaginative process of like liberation, and that's what is you know, like I said, I went to Wheaton College, and I had this professor, this Korean guy, Professor Kim, who's like one of my mentors, and he really pushed you know at our school we we pushed the integration of our learning and our faith, and so he was like your theological imagination, which is a concept that people discuss in kind of like reform theology or whatever, this idea of like seeing and reading the way the world's supposed to be and then doing theology to help us get to that destination should be connected to your sociological imagination, which is seeing the problems in the world and then reading how I believe things should go in, in based on my faith and then imagining solutions, businesses, things to get us there. And that's really where Coffee Black came from was like, I'm just, what if, what if coffee was still black? Like, what would it look like? Mm. What, would it, what would it sound like? What kind of music would we listen to when we brew? What kind of art would be on the wall? What kind of, you know, how would we brew it? So the how would we brew it question is a question I have tons of, I don't know, exciting goosebumpy vibes about, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. what would the brewing method be? Like, that's that's fascinating to me. I don't know what it would be, bro, but yeah. it would be dope, I feel like. And, um, you know, I'm glad y'all are thinking about that. I think that's a cool thing to to, to kind of dream about, you know? Totally, totally. And I, I, um, I'm, I'm sure you're, you're, you've seen coffee's latest uh, or props latest drop on coffee. If coffee were a man, uh, yes, that gen is beautiful. Man, he he did that t two or three years ago. We had him um, out for SCA when it was in Seattle, and man, that poem is so powerful because I feel like, at least for me and the my observation in America, that like coffee was so white, but yep. it's so black. And, and it's <laughs> like, it's so much deeper Literally, than that too, yeah. you know, like from origins yep. to preparation to growing to to everything. And, and man, that that poetry uh, that he dropped was like, man, it was so cool. And it's it's cool to see it like manifested into your business model too of like, yep. we're going to like, like, what if, you know, like, what if it was, what if it was black? You know, what would that experience yeah. be like? Well, like, what and, if slaves and, came over? Go ahead. You got yeah. it. Oh, well, I was just going to quote you once again. You ask, <laughs> what if we cared for and celebrated single origin people as much as we celebrated single origin coffee? Come on now. I felt like I was flexing when I wrote that. Preach. Like, you were. I was like, yeah. I, think I, I think I got him. You nailed You that. got yeah. it. You got it. And like, yeah. what, what does this Black Lives Matter movement do to that? Like, how, yeah. how do we get there? How do we get to that celebration? I mean, it's, it's unlearning. It's learning. It's you know, opening up, it's not pouring on the cream and sugar. Like that's not the answer. Yep. And it's like, I, what's the T what's the, like, uh, what's the refractometer for people? You know what I mean? Like, what is the, what's the, what's the thing that identifies the correct level of like, you know, cause like people can be over extracted too. Like, you know, some bitter people out here who's like, you kind of doing the most right now. You know what I mean? Like there's like something, you know, you've been, you, you got sleep too long. So uh, and then, you know, some people who feel like they're there, you know, like there's there's something missing, like there's more to this individual. And that's probably the story between a lot of behind a lot of our toxic relationships is like mm. over extracting. Mm -hmm. But um, no, I just think that um, overall, like I just think there has to be this imagination into how we think about the future and then the types of solutions and art and goods that we put back into the world to help us get there. You know, for sure, man, that yeah. yeah. 
I love, <laughs> I love that. Well, what's uh, like, what's, what's different post post COVID for you? Like what's, what, what, you know, we've talked about like innovation during COVID and like what's changed mm-hmm. for you in a, in a positive way that um, that's kind of maybe didn't, wouldn't have happened, you know, if COVID didn't happen. Uh, I guess like on a more boring tip, like way more Facebook ads, like I like have really dialed into um, our demographics and stuff like that using this program called toned in. Um, and so I've been using that a lot for my music and for the coffee. And I kind of treat my music like a commercial for the coffee at this point. So mm-hmm. like, it's like trying to do product placement and, and, and do a lot of like just information out that way. And I think that that was really interesting because, you know, like our, our shirt went really crazy on the internet in the middle of me running these ads in the midst of, us trying to like focus way more on our internet content because like, I'll be honest, like I was really, really, really gearing up to be very uh, anti-virtual in Mm. our business model. Like, you know, yes, we have no overhead and we're digital and like, but I was like trying to be as physical as as I could without having a shop. So I was like, we had, we were going to do a show in Nashville. Like I grew up in Nashville, grew up in literally like every black coffee person I knew, I was like, we need to come to your city. We need to integrate your community with our community. And like, you know, we were going to, uh, where else were we going? North Carolina, we were going to Oklahoma, we were going to Mississippi, we were going to uh, SCA. We were, yeah, like, yeah. we were literally going to as many places as I could. And um, that not happening, I think, put us in a weird position to be able to educate more people. I, you know what I mean? Like I, yeah. I was... I'm a big, when I was a teacher, I was a big proponent of actually doing the work and not standing up and giving these inspiring speeches about what it looks like to do the work. Like if you're not, like if you walk in your classroom and your kids don't ride with you, they don't trust you. It doesn't really matter how well you can talk to me about educational theory. You know what I mean? Like how many actual children are you helping? Like shut up and just do the work. It's how yeah. I feel. Um, because there's so many meetings where people, this educational theory and this particular way of approaching pedagogy and like there's all this stuff. And I'm like, meanwhile, all your students hate you. Like nobody at the school likes you, dog. So yeah. I don't understand the effectiveness of what you're talking about. You know what I mean? So for me, I was like, I would, I was, I was just trying to go to every state in America and make coffee for black people and talk about coffee with black people. And now I feel like there's this weird, yo, like there's this weird shift of like people caring about this issue and black people feeling empowered. When I say people, I mean non-black people caring about this issue and then black people feeling empowered to, you know, people in the coffee community I know who feel like, you know, a year ago, they couldn't keep their business going if they spoke up about these issues. And so they Mm. did it to now feeling like, people will actually hear me as a, just another human being. If I talk about my experiences with coffee and I'm like, what, what's going on? Like, oh, is Jesus about to come back? What's, I don't know. What's, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's going on, uh, but I'm excited about it. So like, yeah, bro. Like we, like the last month I made my old teacher salary. You know what I mean? Like that, that freaked me out. I was like, Oh, all right. Off shirts, you know, and, and other products in the store. And so like COVID, for us has been a game changer in a positive way. Like our business model was already kind of set up to be digital. I mean, it was digital, but we we were dependent on more like wholesale relationships and stuff like that. And I was really pushing getting more wholesale relationships and doing more physical stuff, selling merch and pop-ups and like, but where we are, like COVID really transitioned us into like being a fully digital business, uh, which has created other problems. Like now it's like, okay, 
I can't leave my house. So <laughs> how do I store all this stuff? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> um, or like, I can't like, no, there no, there's no place in Memphis to go buy bags. So when I, when we have 500 bags, thinking like, all right, we're good. We got 500 bags. We're good for like three months. And then we sell 500 bags in like three weeks. I'm like, well, and then people keep ordering. I'm like, how do I get more bags? It takes forever to put a valve on the bag. Now I got to wait another 10 days and email people like, hey, sorry. You know, or we thought we were good with three sacks of coffee for the next three months because we were doing about a sack a month. And then like now we're doing a sack in half a week. So it's like, oh, well, now I got to order way more coffee. And thankfully, like, because we're, uh, we don't have any bills, right? Like, thankfully, like the money's in the bank to order it. Yeah. The issue is when I place the order, there's, I can't, you know, no hyperbolic time chamber, no instant train. I'm sorry. Those are Dragon Ball Z references. No, no, <laughs> no. There's no way to teleport the coffee to me. I still got to wait for it to come on the truck, you know, and then wait to roast it and degas and bag. <laughs> so, it's weird, but it's cool though. Like we're we're excited about it, you know. Oh, so, there's no childcare either. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so in the midst of doing all this stuff in our you don't house, say. Yeah, there's nowhere I can put my kids to be like, yo, okay, y'all watch the kids, and I get to work all day. No, it's like I watch the kids all day, and then I work at night. Yeah, you know? yeah. So it's it's weird. Yeah, isn't it funny how like screen time with your kids was like a really big deal before COVID. Yo, I and don't now it's like, thing. yeah, I, I guess our kids are kind of one okay. person. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, y'all go watch TV. Aren't you excited? Yes, <laughs> yes, I love TV. <laughs> now they're like, I'm so tired of TV. Just let me go outside. <laughs> yeah, bro. I'm like, we got a dog. Like, we're just like, y'all just need something to do. So here's this dog. Here's like TV. I don't care. Once we, so I, uh, one of the things we've been able to do is purchase the empty lot that's been next to our house. My wife and I moved into. Uh, the hood in Memphis, one of the hoods in Memphis when we got married, because I, I told my wife, like, you know, on our first date, I feel like God has called me to, like, serve and love and, and, and be missional minded in my community. So, you know, even though we both had, like, graduate degrees, it was like, we're not going to move to the suburbs. I, that's what people traditionally do. But um, there are a lot of people, and that's not my idea. There are a lot of people like John Perkins um, who have kind of forged this idea of, you know, radical purchases, radical living, intentional living. Um, and so when we moved here, there was an abandoned house next to us. And, um, you know, you hear this phrase like buy black, buy black the block, but I don't know how to say it, buy back the block. You hear that phrase all the time. But I never felt like I had enough money to do something like that because um, I was, you know, I was working in um, teaching, which there's no, <laughs> it's just not enough money to make those kind of purchases as a teacher. Um, and so I was like, yo, okay, cool. This is crazy. So we were doing that. And then like we had this huge spike in business, you know, and I, I left my job last year because I didn't leave it. The school, we we helped to start an art school and it closed because I guess people don't care about funding art schools for black kids. So like, <laughs> that school closed. And um, now we had enough money. So we, we purchased this abandoned lot next to us and it was super cheap, you know? So now I'm like, okay, I'm going to put, we're going to put a gate on Monday around the whole property, like both of these properties. And then my kids really don't have any excuse to be in my face. I'm like, <laughs> go over there and play in this whole other lot. Like, I don't like, just go do something. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Oh, that's, that's so good. I love, uh, I, I admire your, 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 uh, your choice to like be very intentional about your living. I think that's, that's super important. And it's, um, it's, I don't think a lot of people are doing that. Um, yeah, and it's, man. And it's I, tough. It's crazy when people say like, what can, what can third wave coffee do for, uh, black communities? And I'm like, well, 
there's a lot of abandoned houses in our neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> and then people were like, well, I mean, like, what can my business do? I was like, oh, I'm sorry. Um, uh. You know, <laughs> this is what we're doing is just trying to live here and be good neighbors to people. But um, nah, man, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely been crazy. It hasn't been easy. Like, I, I think ideally it was like, we're going to move here and we're going to mentor all these kids. And, you know, you probably, if you guys are watching, um, like one of my neighbors is here, he's helping him us. He wants to learn about coffee and making shirts. And so he's been helping us fulfill orders. Nice. Um, Omarion, you've probably seen them on our Instagram too, like great kid, 16, uh, really good dude. Um, but like, it's not easy. Cause there, I mean, there were months and years where like, I feel like nobody in my neighborhood saw me cause I was just at work. And if I wasn't mm. at work, I was tired. You know what I mean? And they're like, why is that grass? Why isn't that guy's grass cut? Like what's, what's up with him? Like, you know what I mean? Like I just was working out and I was, I, I'm not working out. I should have been working out. I was working <laughs> and, and stressed, you know? And so one of the things I like about COVID and just about our business and, and is where, where Coffee Black is right now is I feel like I can be way more present as a neighbor, as a father, mm. as a husband, and as a business owner. Like I have, I'm just like, I don't have anywhere else to go. Put your mask on. Hey, we'll pay you 50 cents a shirt to come over here and make these shirts because I don't have time to make them. You know what I mean? And that ends yeah. up being like 12 bucks an hour or something like that. You know, yeah, if, yeah. If, if he's not on his phone the whole time. So like, <laughs> but it's just like, it's cool because I'm like, oh wow, now we're actually able to, you know, do a little stimulation, you know, light stimulation of our local economy or whatever. But I'm like that to me, that on a grander level, you know, if we're able to build on this property like we want um, and create bigger spaces to be able to do roasting and different types of education and more job training for people like, that to me, I think if we replicate that as human beings, there's a lot of good we can do, you know? Totally. Yeah. Oh, that's, I'm getting goosebumps. Yeah. Hey. I mean, this, yeah, this pandemic has been so interesting. And, you know, I think some people, and maybe rightfully so, I mean, we, we have not been in a position of, you know, having to, uh, losing a job or losing a family member or something like that. But mm -hmm. I think some people are just like, wake me up when it's over. Like, yep. like this is just, I just want to black out. I don't even want, I don't even like care to remember this chapter. And then there are others who are like, yeah, what, what can be learned from this and how, how, what will I learn by just being present and, you know, hmm. listening and having these conversations and dialing into my community and figuring out what they need and what I can do. And yep. man, you've, you've created something really cool with coffee black. Your, your pillars, three pillars are education, empowerment, and creation and inspiration. I feel yeah. like you covered all of those today. Hey, it's that's awesome. cool, man. I'm glad it's integrated. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. So I good. try to do this stuff first and then we go back and figure out, okay, what are the things we mostly do? That way we don't end up, you know, getting caught slipping. We're like, you don't ever do that, you know? <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, we want to be respectful of your time. Um, Cause you've got like so many things going on still. I'm like, yeah, we, we got, we got like Bible study. We actually, we're doing a Bible study on the lot. You know, we're going to look at Nehemiah and talk about like rebuilding communities and stuff with some guys in our church. So nice. Cool. Nice. cool. Yeah. So we've got, do you have like five questions. more minutes? Yeah, literally okay, okay, awesome. six minutes. Yeah. All right, let's six go. minutes. Okay, let's do this. All right. So we like to ask our um, all of our podcast guests a number of questions that we just think are fun and um, hopefully you do too. And you can go you can go as, you know, surface level or as deep as you want. Um, They're gonna and, be deep. And don't think too hard <laughs> about them either. Yeah, right. I know. I know. This is gonna be good. Okay. All right, Bartholomew. Uh, first question. Is it easier to go alone or together? Together. What is one belief you hold that will never change? 
uh, Yeshua is the way to salvation. Uh, also, coffee is better black. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is a fill in the blank. Don't sacrifice blank for blank. Don't sacrifice the permanent for the temporary. Deep. Deep. <laughs> <laughs> no, that literally just means don't argue with people on Facebook about racism while my wife has to watch the kids. Like, that's just what they mean. <laughs> <laughs> there you go oh, uh, just boom just drop the mic right boom. there okay this one might be hard for you because you probably have more than one but what is one piece of knowledge you want to impart on the next generation uh please carry your hammer and sword together uh, and so that just kind of leads into the book of nehemiah but nehemiah was uh, a person in the diaspora his people had been colonized so the hebrew people had been colonized and he was with uh, King, I think, Artaxerxes of the Persian Empire. Okay, I need to prepare for Bible study more. But yeah, he was <laughs> out there. And um, he, when he moved back to his community uh, to rebuild it because the walls had been destroyed, right? So the temple was there, but there was no infrastructure to actually help the economic system of the people. People were getting robbed. And there were uh, different individuals from different nations kind of like pillaging the, the place. He wanted to rebuild the wall. And as he started doing that, he put these people to work. And they were so focused on the work that they were doing that when they were attacked by these like these two guys named Sambalit and, and Tobias, um, who represented these other nations, they were defenseless because they were so busy in the work of rebuilding, they had no sword to defend themselves. Um, and Nehemiah knew if they dropped the hammer and picked up the sword, that they would no longer be able to rebuild and they would be forced forever trying to destroy their enemies without ever building up themselves. Um, and so I think what I would share to people is that in the process of protecting ourselves and uh, pursuing justice, we have to make sure that as we deconstruct the systems around us, that we don't do that without continuing to simultaneously build up the new systems that we want to see flourish. Mm, that's and really that can apply on multiple levels, but I think you should always carry the hammer and the sword, mm. you know, and that's more difficult, but I think it's worth it when we work together and you're not by yourself, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, great. Name one activity that you turn to when you need like a reset or mm. a refresh, or you just got to step away for a, for a minute. Uh, freestyling and pour overs. Yep. That was <laughs> freestyling while making a pour over. You see a one next <laughs> Yeah. No, I always like music for me is kind of like a, like a, um, a reset mentally, um, my wife and I have a history of experiencing miscarriages. And so I, I, on our like third miscarriage, and this is a song on the album too. Like I couldn't talk about how I felt I had to go just make a song. And so that song ended up being the song called Shade, which is on our album Coffee Black. But like for me though, it processed the emotion. Like I couldn't process it until I like literally recorded it. And then after that, I could go back and listen to it and like continue to process those feelings so I think music is a big part of that. And I always make coffee before I, before I do music. And so even that like contemplative, like um, process of moving in a circular motion and breathing. I, I was listening to Propaganda Today live. He, he was talking to Belief and they were talking about like breath work. You know what I mean? And so like that process of being still and, and censoring myself and praying and meditating on scripture and truth and then expressing myself creatively, I think are two things I'm always going to do when I am you know, I need to censor myself again. Yeah, yeah. Um, we were talking about how nobody owns coffee. And so, which sort of means that like everybody has ownership of coffee. And I think music is the exact same way. Like nobody owns it yeah. and everybody owns it. Yeah. Um, I love that that parallel there. Okay, last question. This is a quote we uh, 
kind of borrowed from John Muir. He's the kind of the father of our national park system here in the U.S. Um, and our company is named in part after him. Uh, mm. He penned the quote, the mountains are calling and I must go. And so yeah. another fill in the blank for you. So fill in the blank is calling and I must go. Mm. Man. Um, I think our notes are calling for me. Like I'm just, again, this idea of like, this beautiful uh, reality that I think Yeshua paints in the scriptures and like what that looks like in a, on a societal micro level, macro level, all the levels that's so fascinating to me. And I just get really excited thinking about like businesses and pieces of art and, and house house uh, layouts and blueprints and like all these things, these little micro details that like get us there. You know what I mean? So like that is always calling to me is like this future destiny that Yeshua describes. And, you know, uh, Martin Luther King kind of talked about like that too, but he talked about, he called it the beautiful community. Um, I believe is what he said, but like this idea that there's like this common destiny we're all moving towards um, that's like divine that's given it to us from the divine. Like that concept for me is something I'm always thinking about. And it's always, it's something I feel like I can't, ever get away from, you know what I mean? So I just try to line up everything in my life with that. So like, if I'm pursuing it, I don't miss anything important because everything is kind of in the same domino path. You know? mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> totally. Uh, those were deep. Awesome. So good. Uh, where can people check you out? Coffee Black on Instagram and the website. Yep. Yeah, Coffee Black, put an X with an O-go, um on everything. And uh, yeah, coffeeblack.com, Coffee Black the album on Spotify, Coffee Black the podcast, also on Spotify or YouTube or yeah, just look up Coffee Black and you can get all our stuff. Swap the O for an X. And uh, I got to plug yeah. your wife too. She uh, runs her own business, lettering, yes, graphic designer. Um, I believe it's Brown Girl Lettering on Instagram. Brown Girl Lettering. Anything it, beautiful dope you see work. us do visually, she did it. <laughs> um, so my wife is gonna like you after this too. <laughs> yeah. I know, I wanna talk did to her do, next. Did she do the Gucci yes. logo on the bags? Oh yeah. Oh, that's so good. I love oh, that yeah. logo. Or that. Yes, yeah, yeah. man. She she did the lettering on the back, like everything. The only thing I do is like lame Helvetica. <laughs> like, if you see something, I'm like, I got one font. That's about it. You know what I mean? So like, um, but anything that's actually designed, like my wife did. Yeah, yeah. I love that you guys get to work together in that way. That's super cool. Bringing those yeah. talents to the front. We do. I'm just trying to put them in this little domino line. You know what I mean? Yeah. And just get us there, you know? Yeah. Yep. Oh, yep. I love that. Common destiny. Oh, uh, Bartholomew, it's been a pleasure. I know we're going to have yeah. a second part and a third part and someday when we can actually travel and get together in person. We're We've to- never yes, been bro. to Memphis. We would love to come. Yo, y'all got to come out. through, man. Yeah. Y'all got to come through. That would be so fun. Let's do it. Let's do it. Well, hey, really appreciate you taking time. Uh, such a great conversation and so excited yes. to, to continue to watch uh, your business grow and, and, and for people to support you. And uh, yeah, just thanks for, for hanging out. Yes. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Take care. Y'all be easy. Thanks for tuning in. We will see you on the next episode.